Well, we're talking in this series, we started, Clay started last week on identity theft. And these things that can steal our identities, the identity that we have once we come to faith in Christ, the identity that says that we're, we're children of God, we're believers, and, 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 and there are things, and I mean, we're doing six weeks, we could do 60 weeks on the different things that could come in and, and get us distracted from what our true identity is, which I'm going to tell you in just a moment. So um, last week, what Clay did was he, he went through several things, and I asked him, I just took, cut and pasted those very things he went through. I want to go through them again, because part of my purpose is I want you really to understand these things that have the ability and, and what our identity comes from. So, plus, because he wrote these, this is probably the best grammar you're ever going to hear me give. So, uh, so here you go. Um, he said this, you may, if you were here last week, you heard this, our true identity isn't rooted in our past mistakes and the problems that we've created. And I heard that, and I thought, boy, that's so true. And now, how many times I, as a, as a pastor, have had the privilege to sit with someone who's just really screwed up royally. And I mean, really bad, bad stuff. And I've had the opportunity to plead with them, please do not let this define you. This is not who you are. This is why Jesus came. You can let this, set, you know, you can let this throw you on your, on your, on your butt for the, next, you know, the rest of your life, or you can believe what Jesus says and not let your own sins define you and the problems that you've created. I just, I just think it's so important. Uh, it's, it's also not rooted in our accomplishments or our job title, or the schools our children attend, or the size of our bank account, or the club we belong to, or the logo on our clothing. I didn't like that one too much. And it was clearly a slap at me. There's no question it was a slap at me. Or, or, or was it that I was just a little sensitive, maybe? The truth is, it just so happens that the place that I play a lot of golf happens to have these Peter Millar sweaters that I really like. Peter Millar is my favorite designer, okay? Now, I know it's hard for you to understand that you have a, at least one pastor here who, who has a favorite designer, but I do. And it, it's even, look, he even designed my iPad cover, Peter Millar. See that? So, so is that great? And it just so happens I buy them where I happen to have the privilege to, to, to belong at least part of the time and, at, at Baltus Raw, and they put the logo on there. So that's the deal, okay? My identity is not wrapped up in that golf club, even though it's a wonderful place and a wonderful golf course, and I could live there forever. But anyway, that's not, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, but no, his point, Clay's point on this one, I really appreciate it. People do tie up their identity in accomplishments, and in bank accounts, and in the school they graduated from or that their kids are going to. They do. And that's very temporary. And it's important for us to stop and understand that true identity isn't rooted in the whiteness of our teeth or the color of our hair, thank goodness, or the smoothness of our skin, or the shape and size of various, pod, of various parts of our body. I mean, we, you know, I... I don't want to sound like an old man here, but I mean, the, the culture that we live in now it has become so body conscious. And, and that's the change that I've seen really in the last probably 40 years. It's just amazing. And I know it just, that's we could just get, get hit with it. You know, and if a guy doesn't have a six pack and, and you know, and if, a, and if a girl, you know, just isn't this or that. Can I tell you, can I tell you a secret? I never had a six pack, okay? I didn't even know what it was until I was like 40. And then I tried to get one. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Who cares? 
Um, so there's been a lot of guys my age who say, oh, I used to have a six-pack. Yeah, okay. No, you didn't. I know the truth. You lie. You're lying. <laughs> um, but seriously, we, 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 we have seen that happen, and we've seen uh, especially our young women just get so tied up in this stuff. And it's just, it's just wrong. I mean, it's not wrong to look nice. It's not wrong to have a nice body. But it's just wrong the way we, we put this picture out there. And, uh, and let, me, let me help you with this, whoever you are on this situation, all right? There's this, there's this law that I learned about way back in grade school. It's called the law of gravity, okay? And, and it, it comes into play as you, as you get a little older, you know? And you work out and you fight and you fight and you fight. fight, fight keep fighting it. But the law of gravity will win, okay? So just, just deal with it, okay? And, 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 and you know... If you get your identity wrapped up in all that, yeah, that's, that's that gonna be, you're going to be a 60 or 70 or 80-year-old man or woman who's pretty bitter because like, oh, man, you know, it's all gone. Well, hopefully you've been working on something else internally as well. Our true identity isn't rooted in what other people think of us. It's not rooted in what they've done to us. like that point a lot. We become victims. People have treated us, been done me wrong, done me wrong. You know, it's a country song. You've done me wrong. And uh, a lot of country songs about that. And you know what? You can, you can sing songs about it and identify with it, or you can move on and say, I'm not going to let that define me either. Because if you haven't been, you will be a victim sometime. And either you're going to learn to deal with that properly, or you're going to live in it. And God doesn't want you living in it. I can tell you that. Our true identity is rooted in our relationship with God who created us, it is rooted in who He made us to be, what He's done for us, and how we respond to Him. That's what it is. And we need to realize that. And we respond, when we respond by trusting in Him, that's when we're able to live like God intended us. That's, uh, intended us to live. That's when we flourish, when that happens. But it only comes in a relationship with our Creator, our Lord God. So that's where we begin. And, you know, there are a lot of ID, identity thieves. I call them ID thieves. There are a lot of them. One of the all-time greatest robbers, one of the all-time greatest thieves is this thing called fear. And we've all got it. Did a lot of work this last two weeks on fear and phobias. Learned a lot of stuff about that, too. For instance, I learned the top five best phobias to have. These are interesting. There is boogie phobia. Now, or bogey phobia, um, is that up there? Yeah. Um, that, you know what that is? That's fear of the boogeyman. Didn't know that, did you? You thought, you, you, you thought I meant fear of bogeys. That's what you thought. Well, that could be that too. Um, and then there's, here's, here's another one they have, electrogenia phobia. That is the fear, that is the fe- this is a good fear to have, that is the fear of wetting your pants in an electrical storm. I mean, this is, I got this stuff off the internet. I, this, is, this is true stuff. You can't deny it. Um, and then there's sacrophobia. That's the fear of parents-in-law. And here's one. Clay got this this morning when I was testing him. Um, acri- ac- uh, I, I can't say it right. Uh, acrobutrophobia. That is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> there's, a, there's a cure for that. It's like, oh, like that, you know. Um, 
There's political phobia. You know what that is, fear of ab- and abnormal dislike of politicians. That's a good one to have, too. Uh, the top five worst phobias to have. There's papophobia. That's not papa, papophobia. That is the, you know, what, what do you think that is? Fear of, of what? Papers? No. Fear of the Pope. Well, if you're Catholic, you're really, you're really screwed. I mean, you're, you're messed up if you're, if you're Catholic and you've got papophobia. Um, and then there's, this is a hard one for me to say, too. Helenojola, Helenologophobia. Helenologophobia. That is the fear of complex scientific terms and Greek terminology. <laughs> and then there is, you should know this, there is ostraconophobia. You know what that is? Ostraconophobia. Talk looking at my friend who has a shellfish uh, 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 thing, allergic. That's the fear of shellfish right there. So there you go. And then there's pantyphobia. <laughs> Let's grow up, people. <laughs> you know, the 9 o'clock service didn't laugh at that. They, they, they're much more righteous than you people are. Uh, Panty means everything. It, 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 what it means is the fear of everything. See? You bunch of perverts back there, whoever that was. Um, um, fear of everything. And then one last one. This is a good one. This is Venustrophobia. Think Venus. Venustrophobia. This is, the f- this is the fear of beautiful women. Guy, a single guy told me after one of the services, he said... I think I have that. It doesn't keep me from admiring them, but it keeps me from approaching them. I said, dude, you got to get over that. I said, you know, look how I scored who I got. I just went in, man. You know, I didn't care. She's beautiful, but I'm, 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 I'm coming in. Hey, baby, how are you? Um, um, obviously, these are, these, are, these are crazy. I mean, these are all very true. I got them off the Internet. I mean, they're true. Um, David went nuts back there. David uh, Macaron back in the booth because he's very uh, uh, he's inc- he's like a he's like the grammar police and he's like the spelling police. And so he was going through this morning before the nine o'clock service. He was going through on his iPad looking up these words. Rich, I don't find this word. This isn't the right spelling. I said I got it off the internet. Just go with what I got. Okay. So. Uh, we weren't uh, exactly, but I did get some of that stuff. I got all that stuff off the internet. Listen, there are a lot of fears we have. Let's face it. They're, they come in all shape, shapes and sizes. They're just all over the place. And when you, when you start looking, some of those are serious. But the, the, most of them are just jokes. But, but, but when you really start looking, and I did the whole thing, the, the top ten biggest fears, and there's all kinds of, I mean, I say they're different, but they, they're all similar synonyms and so forth. When you, and I just sort of combined a bunch of them that are real legitimate fears. Mo, I, I have known people in my life um, with, with one of these, all of these, you know, not all of them together, but I've, I've known all these. And, and, when you, and when you think about it with people, it's really tough. For instance, I mean, a lot of people are, according to uh, surveys now, economy, job, personal finance, big fear. I hear this a lot. I, I just want to make sure I have enough money so that whenever it is that I retire or stop working that, that my life doesn't outlive my money. And that's a big fear. It's a big concern. It's legit. Uh, relationships. Some people are just fearful of that. And, and health. A lot of people are fearful of their health. What's going to, especially if they've seen some things. We saw the video about that. Um, it's a real deal. Terrorist attack. That's still an issue. Bin Laden's dead, but, but there's still a lot of people fearful of, of another terrorist attack. Um, divorce. 
Some people, particularly those struggling in a relationship, and they're fearful, and they're thinking, oh, what's going to, you know, and, and they're fearful of that. And, and granted, that's, 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 that's a healthy fear, but you can't live your whole life of that. Certainly death is a big one. Insignificance is a big fear that people have. Uh, of course, the, the usual ones, I'm not, gonna, I'm not making light, I'm not, I'm not minimizing, but when you talk about things like the fear of heights or the fear of flying or the fear of the dark, um, we all know those things are real. And, but when you, when you put a face on those, and some of us have known people with those true fears, that's a lot different. and You, you, you have a lot more compassion. And you understand that fear of public speaking, that was a big one. I don't get that. Come on, people. It's not that hard, okay? You know, you say, well, what if you make a fool out of yourself? Huh? well, gee, that's never happened to me. Um, no, I understand. No, no kidding. Seriously, I, I've, I've had over the years many men and women both in, in, in businesses who, who had come because they know that that's part of my job oftentimes. Um, say, I've got to do a speech in front of my colleagues, and I'm scared to death. And they just ask me for some keys and some, some things that can help. And it's real. It's real to them. It really is. And I don't want to minimize that. Um, intimacy, death, failure. Failure's a big one. Big fear. A lot of people. I don't want to be a failure. Embarrassment. <laughs> I had that fear two weeks ago. I pulled up right in front. I got, you know, I got here about 10 o'clock. It was on a weekday. I just happened to get that, that one prime parking spot, the first one, right there, right in front of the front door, you know, right there. I hardly ever get that. I, 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 I always want that spot. I never get that spot. Uh, rarely. And so I, I parked right there, so I was pretty happy with my life. As soon as I parked, my phone rang. I had somebody to meet here, but I had like a half hour or so. My phone rang, and it was my son-in-law, who was a teacher over here at Summit Middle School. And he had his 6th or 7th or 8th grade uh, middle, uh, history class. And he says, Rich, this is, uh, this is Ike. Uh, I got, I'm on, you're on speakerphone, and the whole class is listening. And I'm doing a little informal survey here. Uh, can you tell us what the Trail of Tears is? So I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you know I, I, you know, I don't have time to get my iPad and start looking, you know. And, and um, he's like, we, we, we need to know. And I'm just like, and right now, the fear of failure, the fear of embarrassment. I think, okay, I know some of those kids, so I'm going to go to church here. I'm going to make a fool. You know? So I was, fortunately, I know, I know what the trail of tears is, and I was able to um, give a, a, a decent answer and so forth. But just for a few moments, a few seconds, I'm thinking, Oh, gosh, okay, here we go. Am I going to be a failure? By the way, I'm, somebody came up to me after the last or one of the services, and they down the sidewalk, they said, okay, okay, what is it? What is it? I'll tell you later. I'll tell you downstairs, okay? Um, but um, anyway, um, you probably know. You do, have, you do have those thoughts at those times. Am I going to be a failure? Am I going to be an embarrassment, you know? Um, rejection, commitment, some of the fears. Spiders, that's another big one, Spiders. You know, and again, we can laugh about it. I laugh about it, but I mean, some people really get paralyzed by that. Listen, fear can be a paralyzing thing, and we need to understand that. And I don't know what your fear is. It may be just simply the unknown, which, which is everything, right? Listen, to, listen, Bill Gates. Bill Gates said this. People always fear change. People feared electricity when it was invented, didn't they? People feared coal. They feared gas-powered engines. They will always be, there will always be ignorance, and ignorance leads to fear. But with time, people will come to accept their silicon masters. It's kind of an arrogant statement, isn't it? Uh, it's true. Um, and, you know, I think about, you know, reading through history, people, you know, and I obviously didn't 
didn't live then, in spite of popular opinion. But when, when cars came in um, and so forth in the 20s, you know, I've read how people, oh, just get, I, I don't trust that thing. I want to stay with my horse, man. You know, electricity becomes more and more popular in our country then as well. About that same time, people are thinking, oh, and people were saying, you're reading some things in history, oh, I don't want to trust this electricity. It's going to set my house on fire. I'm going to stay with the good old-fashioned lanterns. Yeah, lanterns never set anything on fire, did they? You know, I mean, the next thing. There's this fear. And I've even heard back in the 90s particularly, oh, this Internet thing, you know, I know Al Gore invented it, but I don't think I want that, that Internet thing, and I don't trust it. It's not going to last. Well, they were wrong. The unknown is always scary. So how are we going to do this? What does the Bible say about this? Let me tell you something. The greatest and the only permanent solution for fear is a right view of God. It's the correct view of God. That's the only thing there is. And the only place you're going to get a correct view of God is right here in the Bible. And um, I, just picked, I just picked three passages that this isn't really, this isn't going to be like earth-shaking. This isn't going to be something that's going to just like, oh, I've never seen this before. This is to just as a reminder, maybe to inspire you to, to, to stop and, and reflect on how is this going to happen? How am I going to get a hold of this, this fear that sometimes annoys me, sometimes cripples me, whatever it might be? Fear of the unknown. You know what's funny about that fear? <laughs> Everything's unknown. We just don't realize it. We think we know. And then something happens. Well, I guess I don't know. It's all unknown. We don't know. Let me show you this one. Romans chapter 8. Greatest, only permanent solution for fear is the right view of God. Watch this. Romans 8, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Right there. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. That was never God's intent for you or for me. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, term of endearment. Talked about that a few weeks ago. It's a term of endearment. And, and, and he's, he's using that to get us to understand this is, God is not someone you have to be fearful of. You need to have reverential fear. You need to have reverence for Him. But not to be afraid of like, oh, He's going to you know, throw lightning bolts out of the sky and, 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 and bomb me out. That's not God. Okay? His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also must share his sufferings. We have not received, verse 15, a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. God never intended that, whatever that fear is for you. Second thing comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. These are so great. These are just simple verses. Easy to understand. Very challenging to practice. Very challenging to practice. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Now listen, this is the Bible, and this is what he tells us to do. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. 
Do you do that? Somebody asked me that yesterday. We were talking about this whole thing and um, talking about something else, talking about some stuff going on with the church and property and long-term plans and all that. And, and that guy's friend says to me, so do you stress out over this stuff? He looked at me and said, he said, do you stress out over this stuff? I said, oh, not too much. I said, I just trust Jesus. And then that little honesty gene way in the back back there <laughs> kicked in. And I said, just added one word to that. I said, I just trust Jesus. Then I waited about probably four or five seconds. And I said, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. And he says, ah, yeah. That's the truth for us all, folks. Sometimes. Does it become easier the older you get, the longer you're, you have this, this, this walk with Christ? Sometimes. But then you take a couple steps backwards. You know, and, and, and you just stress. It's one of those things you have to just continue to ask God to help you with. I related to the video a lot, the doctor there, the guy playing the doctor who, who says, you know, I've been on five years. I haven't been able to sleep without sleeping aids. That, that was me until about a little, little over a year ago. And I, the, the stuff that I took, which was Ambien, I uh, just had, I had a huge reaction. Some of you remember, I had a huge reaction. First time I've ever missed Sunday morning church in 35 plus years. I had this huge, on a Saturday night of all times, I had this huge reaction to this drug. And, and uh, uh, Charlene, I thought I'd bought the farm. I mean, she thought, because I was just like kind of talking to myself. And I don't know if I was slobbering or not, but I might have been. And just sort of like, uh, you know, just this, 10% of the people who take Ambien, um, I found out later, have this huge, can have potentially this huge reaction. I had it. I was one of the 10%. So I don't take anything anymore. So sometimes you're still thinking about this stuff, and you're still praying, you're asking God to help, you know, and, and I'm doing really good. Well, until about eh, 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, then you go, okay, and I'm going to practice this or not? Am I going to put this into action or not? And uh, that's the challenge. We all struggle with it in different ways, but that's where we have to go. Third thing, Jesus says this, don't worry about these things. Here's what Jesus says, uh, verse, um, Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Read that again. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Some pop psychologist didn't say that. Jesus said that. Seek righteousness with God, and he'll give you everything you need. Need's an interesting word, isn't it? We've kind of expanded on that word need a little bit. We may need to rethink what those needs are. Next verse, you can't miss the next verse. So don't worry about tomorrow. Still Jesus talking. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I said this a few moments ago. We, we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
We only think we do. And then something happens. You have a big stock market crash in 07, or you have a, you have a terrible thing that happens in 9-11. Uh, something happens, and it kind of rocks us back into the real world for us to really understand. I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I may, that's the issue here. We think we know what's going to happen tomorrow, and something has to rock our world for us to recognize, whether it's sickness or whether it's something else. I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why I just have to trust Jesus for today. That's the issue. And that's, that's the, you know, that, that, that whole thing of, of security and, and, you know, taking care of tomorrow, that's an illusion. You only think you can do that. You know, a dial here, a dial here, something happens here, you, don't, you, you have nothing. And whether it be health or whether it be financial or whether it be relationships. So today's trouble is enough for today. We don't need to borrow trouble from tomorrow for today. First of all, it may not happen anyway. Second, we've got enough to deal with today. I don't need to borrow from the future. The greatest, the only permanent solution for fear is a right view of God. And the place you're going to get that is right here in the Scriptures. That's why these verses, even if it's just, even if it's just a few lines, you need to memorize them. So when you're, when you're doing that thing at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever your, whatever your prime time is for this stuff, um, that you can just stop and, okay, Lord, okay, let me just think. I have not received a, a spirit of slavery. Uh, don't worry. Pray. You know, just some of these things. <laughs> Seek God above all else. Live righteously, and, 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 and He will give you everything you need. Doesn't mean you don't work. Doesn't mean you don't try. Doesn't mean you don't plan. But you do all that, and you still have to trust Christ. The greatest and the only permanent solution for fear is a correct view of God. Let me give you, um, Emerson said something that I really appreciate. Ralph Waldo put it this way. He who is not every day conquering some fear has not learned the secret of life. You know, I would only add to that for, not that I'm ever going to critique Emerson, but, but, but I would only add one thing to that. The only way we can conquer that fear is through a relationship with Christ and a proper view of God Almighty that we can find right here in the Scripture. Very simple, very simple texts. That's the only way. We can do a lot of gyrations and we can do a lot of other kind of stuff, but that's where it happens. And that's where the rubber meets the road, right there. Then we can join with the psalmist David who wrote... The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? Psalm 27. I ask God to give us a deeper understanding of what this means, particularly as we seek to practice it in all of our lives. Let's pray together. Lord God, We are so thankful for your love and for your grace and for all that you're doing in our lives and for the opportunity to experience forgiveness through you who lived, suffered, died, rose again, gives us the ability to have that forgiveness as we trust you and believe in those truths. Help us now as we think about some of the fears that we have. Some are very much at the top of the list, always on our mind. Some are just sort of laying around back there latently, and we've got to figure out what to do with that. 
God, help us to have the right view of who you are and how you desire for us to live in a, in a relationship with you, trusting you with whatever fears we have. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.